Uh, it's an honor <laughs> to welcome back to uh, the show. We're going to call him a friend of the show, uh, the awesome Paddy McGuinness, to chat about the new series of Top Gear. Paddy, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. How's your good self? Well, we're good. I have to say, I was watching the one show the other day. Uh, you were on it talking about Top Gear, and you absolutely twatted the back of your head on the wall behind you during the show. It was unbelievable. Yeah, th this is the same one. What, what we've got here is a, is a pitch roof in the trade. And uh, <laughs> I, I was sort of, I went back a bit too. I'm just glad I didn't, I didn't farmyard it live on BBC One because I was very close. You were composed. You did I a just, good job. Yeah, yeah. But um, it's because this is the only room in the house I can sort of get away from the kids and, and, and you know, because they'll come looking for me. So I come up here and, uh, but yeah, that's. It's a dad's. It's a dad's prerogative. A dad's prerogative to overreact to any form of injury. So I thought you'd have yes. gone down like Neymar, but you just carried on. It was good. <laughs> and as a dad as well, I feel as though I should have a shed for this kind of thing. <laughs> but but instead, I'm I'm uh, resigned to a, a back bedroom. But anyhow, here we are. Have you got a set of bunk beds behind you, though? Uh, I'm I'm currently in my eldest daughter's bedroom where we've got all our stuff at the moment. So you think oh, I was backstage right. at like the Palladium, but it's just all of our clothes <laughs> crammed into one horrible room. I apologise. <laughs> I feel like we're getting a, a tour around Paddy's actually, because like last time that we uh, we spoke to you guys uh, on the Home Time Show, uh, I think we're in the same room, but you you were eating certainly a I think it was a pickle sandwich. Well, I've just finished uh, a Scotch egg, but what wow. I did because they're they're they're, they're an underrated snack Scotch egg, <laughs> and, and and I do a bit with Marks and Spencers, and they do them, and I, I bought one from there, and uh, it's got the Runny York game changer. Oh, oh, none of them ones where you bite it's all solid. This one, you're like it's down the chin. You're going, oh, it's lovely. <laughs> I got myself one of them, and I had a little. Uh, and I said a little one of them fruit pots before I come on because after this last lockdown, which we're coming towards the end of now, thank the Lord, um, I got the old tape measure out of 43 waist, lads. That's great, that. That's good, isn't it? What, 43? <laughs> I don't think what, what's, I don't think... what's good about that? Never get a job in the fitness industry. I think, you, I think you've got it... Oh, I what, think that's all right. That? I think it's you're, better. You're, you're morbidly obese. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're measuring. Uh, I don't know what you're measuring your waist in, Bush. I like. I like a bit of timber. I think a bit of timber is good for you. Don't you worry about it. It's absolutely fine. Oh, if you're down, it, mate. Get tracky bottoms on. You don't need to worry about it. Normally a thirty-four waist. I don't know if any of your listeners get onto this, but you buy a pair of jeans, say, and you're a thirty-four waist or a thirty-two or a thirty-six, whatever you are. That isn't your waist size. Yeah. It's something clothing manufacturers do to play games with your mind. It's it, it's this is a true thing. If you pick up a 34 waist jeans and I and I say if I put them on, they'll fit me no problem. But I'm a 43 waist. <laughs> so they put they, they've gone down the sizes. Because if you're out in a shop and you pick up for a 43 waist jeans, you're gonna be in tears. <laughs> you're not you don't even you're not even you won't even want to take if you ask have you got any of them jeans? Yeah, what size, sir? <laughs> 43 it's literally like what i think but, i think as well if you've ever played any form of football at any level never ever try and put a pair of skinny jeans on you ever tried skinny jeans on by accident being nearly trapped it's the most terrifying thing on this planet again you know i'm 47 and uh if i go in somewhere you know for instance i like wearing diesel jeans there's a certain style of diesel jeans i think they're called uh they've all got mad names aren't they these bloody jeans Boot cut. uh 
I think, yeah, no, this these are these. I think these are called sling slinker or something like that. All right. But anyhow, they fit just right. And I went in for a fur, and a young lad was serving me. He's a as I guess he was like twenty year old. He gave me some jeans. There was a lot pair of tights. <laughs> I was like, "What are these?" He's like, "They look good." Them. I went, "No, they don't." I think you can tell me the truth. I don't. I really don't want them. And he only put them on for him, bless his soul. Because I thought he he'd, he looked broken if I don't sort of put these on for him. But uh, yeah, the skinny jeans. I think I think on most blokes, I, I forgive it if you're in your twenties. But after that, you've got to draw the line. You've got to draw the line, lads. So you guys are talking about midlife crisis cars in the new series yes. of Top Gear, which started last yes. Saturday. Uh, would you would you yes. cast any jeans as the kind of thing that is being worn in your midlife crisis car? Yeah, no, this is the thing on the midlife crisis episode, because what we're saying is there's a blurred line between midlife crisis and, and treating yourself. So, for instance, when I was like 19 years old, and I wanted a Ferrari, you know, you, you, unless you drop lottery, you never going to do it. So I think when you get a certain point in your life, and it's usually in your 40s, whatever you do for a living where you're a little bit more financially secure, you know, and you think, oh, I'm going to treat myself to something now because I never had that when I was younger. And yep. everyone goes, oh, he's having a midlife crisis. And you're like, no, no, I'm just treating myself to something that I, I would have loved in the younger years well, what no, about that's... what about a harley davidson though uh paddy that's surely next level harley davidson that's normally there's always one fellow in your local neighborhood that you hear coming home from work at nine o'clock at night because he wakes everybody up with his loud harley yeah it's a midlife that, crisis no, surely yeah I, I think motorbikes in general you, you can kind of get away with it harley over the age of 40 people are going to be looking at you a little bit and i love harley davidson's i just in fact we have one in in the series um but on the other side of it, if you've got the skinny jeans on and your shirt open with a medallion, yep. you're having a full-on midlife crisis. <laughs> but I do, I do think, I do think men get a bit of an hard time about getting themselves a nice car when they're in the thirties and forties. Yeah, but it's because that's the only time you can bloody afford one. <laughs> that's true. You know, I mean, you, you can't, you can't get anything decent in your twenties. Well, I could anyhow looking at a leisure centre. <laughs> I'm on Phoenix nights and I run more money at the leisure centre (laughs) back then. So it was, uh, so for me, no, it's like, you know, it's nice to treat yourself. uh, But yeah, I think it's, I think clothing's the one really Uh, as opposed to cars. It was awesome to see you guys driving around in your dad cars and all that kind of stuff as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now I remember, I remember when I was a kid, um, we had a Cortina for donkey's years. So that was like a proper, that was our dad's car. Now people change cars up so often. Do you think the whole thing of remembering what your dad's car was like is a thing of the past? Yeah, I really do. And I think why that is, is because no, everything's finance, isn't it? (laughs) I mean, I even myself, when I, uh, my first ever car, proper car I bought was a a Mark II Escort for 90 quid. And I think the, the, he wanted 150 quid for it or something. And, and you haggled. And you go, oh, come on, I've got the money on me and all that. And that's how it all, you know, that's that was it. And you hung on to it for a while. But no, I think a lot of car dealers make more money on getting you to sign up to some finance agreement. Yeah. And then they seduce you by saying, and every six months or every 12 months we'll change it. And So you're going through cars like, like socks these days, <laughs> you know, and you never... You're never fully invested in one. So I think that's 
you know, one side of it is good because you can probably, you know, get yourself something nice and decent and you know it's going to run right. But on the other side, it becomes something disposable, which is weird because it's a car, you know, but people chop the cars in left, right and centre now because of how the market is. It's, it, the cash is king days are long gone from uh, going out buying a car. I remember my old man having one of those uh, Fiat 126s and uh, I mean, <laughs> let alone disposable. I mean, you, you dispose of it in the bin. I, I think that was on the driveway more than it was ever on the road. <laughs> but I think that, again, that's the beauty of cars back then. You know, most of my cars I had back in the day, I was always under a bonnet. I was always doing something yeah. to them. And you had to because, you know, if you spark plugs or fan belts or anything at all, you, you know, you could turn your hand to. You did because you didn't have much money. But you learned about your car then. But you can bet now most young people don't ever lift the bonnet up of the car. You know, well, they take it, it. once a, a little light comes up on the dash. You've got 100 and odd miles to your next service. They take it in. Someone plugs it into a computer, does the bit on it, and gives it them back, and that's it. So the whole kind of experience is being a little bit sanitised, I, I think. I, I feel really bad. But that's, that's the way it is. I, I don't know how to – I've never changed a, a wheel on a car, tyre on a car, wouldn't have a clue. And and I always look back on my schooling life and think, I, I know how to tie-dye uh, and make my own drawstring bag for my PE kit and make a pencil case, but I don't know, how to, don't know my way around a car. Why don't they do it in school? Do you think this should, should be part of the, the, the curriculum? Well, I've got to show you how old I am. When I was at school, we used to do MVE, which was motor, motor vehicle engineering. They'd have like an engine out and you'd mess about with it and what have you. Oh, really? In fact, this shows you when I was at school, this is like when they're going about <laughs> health and safety now. Our MVE teacher, we had an old uh, CV car and he used to, no doors on it, nothing. We'd all jump in it. He'd take us around, like handbrake turns around the, around the, around the <laughs> And the sports, honestly, this is like a, a teacher. And you're like, you know, no, God, can you imagine that? But um, yeah, I think I think those kind of skills are, are sadly being lost, and yeah. a, a lot, of, a lot of skills, just with how the world is now. You know, like you say, it's got its pluses and its minuses, but a lot of skills are being lost. Like for instance, I've just had this house renovated, and God, just like trying to find a bricklayer. <laughs> you know, like a decent one who's, who's available. And, and a lot of the young lads, when I talked to some of these brickies, he said, I can't get an apprentice anymore because he said the young the young lads are not that, but they don't want to do it. They're yeah. like, well, yeah. what would I want to put a load of bricks on and get knackered every day and dirty and everything else when I can like go on Love Island <laughs> instead? <laughs> you know, so it's just a bit of a mad old time, isn't it? The world may be changing in many ways, but we're still excited uh, about um, uh, a James Bond film, uh, which is obviously getting more and more postponed. And and you guys are getting the chance to get in on that before they do, really. Oh, it was this this James Bond special we've done. Again, for me, I love I love Bond. I always have done since I was a kid, and Chris loves Bond, but Freddie is not having it. Which which blew me away when he said, I don't like James Bond. I'm like, what? That's like saying I don't like breathing. <laughs> and it's, uh, so, Freddie, who didn't like the films, in the anger at Dunsfold, they, they brought pretty much every iconic Bond car from the films, from all, right from Dr. No to the latest one. And they had them there for us just to drive and, wow. and play about with it. They had rocket launchers on them and everything. And I just thought, 
that's where I feel really lucky doing what I'm doing because I thought you'll never get a chance to do that again. And then they had, uh, they told me to go out in this new, um, this Aston Martin DB5, which is a three and a half million pound car. Yeah. And it's a, called a Goldfinger continuation. And they've redone this car and re engineered it. Sounds like a medical car. condition. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it had like, you know, pop out machine guns on it and bulletproof shields and smoke came out the back. It's three and a half million pounds, this car. You can't drive it on the road. It's not road legal. Wow. So it just shows you these, these, these people that have more money than sense, really. But then the director's saying, just go faster, slide it, spin it. You're like, it's three and a half million quid. <laughs> you know, it, but, but, but that's the thing with Top Gear where I go, wow, I can't believe I'm get, getting a chance to do this. You know, it's fantastic. And that episode, I think, whether you're a Bond fan or not, like Freddie came around to it because he, he loved the cars, I think you'll enjoy it. Is, is there a movie that you love that you'd love to drive the, the vehicles from in it, uh, you know, from that actual movie? Ooh, uh, well, I think when I was a kid, it was all about, Starsky and Hutch's car, yeah, which was Gran Torino, and then uh, Night Rider, and oh, even yeah. A Team's A Team's van, all yeah. those kind of things for me, and the original Batmobile. They're the ones I still think about. And think, oh, I'd love to drive them. Or do you remember a show called Fall Guy? Yes, Lee Majors. He used to drive a pickup truck. I was like, oh, I'd love to do that. Smoking the Bandit, his car. So there's not. Not many from modern films. It's kind of like uh, all stuff from my childhood, really. And again, if I got, for instance, smoking the bandits Trans Am now and drove around where I live, in a black Trans Am with a roof down, with a massive, <laughs> a massive gold phoenix on the front, everyone's going, this, this lad's having a stinker. And I'd be like, no, it's from, it's from my childhood. I'm really, but, you know... Again, you, you, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. <laughs> I'm disappointed there was no Dodge Charger there mentioned from the General Lee from the Dukes of Hazard. That was that. That was the one. Yeah. For me. Good do you one. know what? It, it's I love the Dukes of Hazard, but uh, I don't know. As a kid, it just never. I don't know what it was. I used to like Boss Hog. He used to make me laugh. Yeah. And what was his called? His, his deputy. Roscoe Peacock Train. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh, but I think. I think the two main lads in it used to get on my wick. So I, I didn't really bother, bother with juice. <laughs> also, just going back to the Moabite one, you could have done that, of course, thrown in that list, Street Hawk. Do you remember Street Hawk, the oh, motorbike that came out of the smoke fantastic. in the side alley? And there was another one on all around, uh, around that time called Auto Man. Do you not remember that? No. Oh, you saw this. It was exactly like Street Hawk, but it was a car. So they had Erwolf, Street Hawk, and Auto Man. Yeah. And Auto Man's car is is sort of thing, what he had was he could go around a corner at 90 degrees, <laughs> which it just is, is no help to anyone. <laughs> but he'd have this thing in his car, so I used to love that as a kid as well. <laughs> so, I mean, it's fair to say, you know, talking about all these amazing flights of fancy you get to do on Top Gear, would you say that uh, with things being so, at times, bleak at the moment, shows mm. like Top Gear where you get to have a distraction from the terror of existence, as has been called in the past, more important than ever, do you think? Just on, on a Sunday night, just having a flight of fancy. Yeah, I mean, you know, listen, the job you, you two lads do, right, it, it takes your mind off kids and family and the news and the, and the virus and, and everything. So rather selfishly for me, when when I found out we were working again, I was I was and it is selfish but i was just it was just nice to get out the house and just see see things again and and not kind of be subjected to you know you put the news on and it and it is grim 
you know. Yeah. So now I kind of I'll have the news on in the morning. I put it on in the evening, and that's me, you know. But but thankfully at the minute, I, you know, everyone's sort of getting a little bit more positivity about. It. We can see a light at the end of the tunnel now. They're rolling out the vaccinations, which is absolutely fantastic. And you know, and fingers crossed. We might even get an holiday by September. You don't know. You know, we'll just have to we'll just have to see, won't we? But but yeah, getting out and about and working again was a, a very welcome distraction. Well, we're lo- we're loving having you guys back on a Sunday night and on uh, BBC One, and enjoyed the first one last week. Um, if there was one one little recommendation, just to go back fifteen minutes to right at the beginning before we lose you, you said about Scotch eggs. Hopefully soon with the vaccination <laughs> with the vaccinations rolling out and all this kind of thing, we're going to get sports fans back in stadiums, which means you could try, in my opinion, the greatest Scotch egg that I've ever had. Freddie could take you there as well because the best Scotch egg that you will find is at Lords. So go for, a, go for a game of cricket underneath the stands. They sell Scotch eggs and I've never, ever had a better one. It's a Scotch egg, but it's wrapped in black pudding. Oh, it's a game changer. That, that is next level. It is. The only trouble we're doing that with Flintoff, because <laughs> cricket, I don't follow cricket anytime. So if he picks up a Scotch egg, all he'll do, he'll go, Thing is, when you're bowling, Paddy, you hold it, like, and I'm like, I'm not in, I'm not, I'm really not interested, Fred. Just, I just want to eat it. So anything, anything that's a steer, he's like, he's giving you tips on how to spin it. I'm like, literally, not interested. But, but I will give one of them a whirl next time with her. Definitely, that sounds like a game changer. That. Fantastic. We'll keep us posted on that. Uh, Paddy, it's awesome to have you on the show as ever. Make sure you check out the brand new series of Top Gear. Thank you so much. Cheers, lads. Thanks very much.